divine, all love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou Oh, uh-huh.
take your copy of God's Word, please, and go back to Romans chapter 8 again this morning. Romans chapter 8. And let's just be honest about it. Life is hard at times. Anybody relate? Life is hard. I saw online somebody put up a meme that said something along these lines. January was a tough year, but we made it. And uh, maybe that's how you feel. Uh, This new year, this new decade has already bullied you and beat up on you. And it's been rough and it's been tough and it's been hard already. Well, if that's you, I've got a word for you today from the word of God. And even if you're in the exact opposite place. And everything in your life is sunshine and roses and everything is going so well. You better take notes because like it or not, tough times do return. Now, I'll just be blunt today. Um, probably already noticed that uh, early in the service. I'll be blunt today that today's message is for believers. If you choose to walk along in life without the Savior, the Lord Jesus, I have no encouragement for you whatsoever today. All I can say to you is good luck. Do the best you can. You're on your own. That's all I can say. You choose to walk without Jesus. But I would add this. Please don't walk along without Jesus. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ alone. He'll save you. He'll redeem you. He'll give you a home in heaven. And uh, give your life to Christ. Let Him control your life. And uh, you'll never regret doing that. You know, life is so hard in so many ways. Not only uh, for those who know the Lord Jesus, or those who do not know God, but also for those who do know the Lord Jesus. You know, tough times come to those who are saints and those who are not saints. Uh, We all deal with tough times. We all deal with problems and suffering and hardship. Why? Well, because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. And even those of us who have been redeemed, who are children of God, uh, we are still in our fleshly bodies. And we still wrestle with sin. And we still struggle And uh, we have troubles and trials. But the good news is, as believers, we're not alone in our struggles. We're not alone in our trials. God did not redeem us and then say, okay, you're on your own. Do the best you can. Um, You know, I'll see you in heaven. No, Uh, he has given us a wonderful gift. He's given us the gift of his presence in our life. Literally, we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us as believers and helping us. And in today's passage here in Romans 8, we're going to see how God helps us in three major areas of struggle of life. In the struggles of life, there are three major areas we often deal with. We battle with sin, we battle with fear, and we battle with suffering. And we're going to see how God helps us in those three major areas of struggle. So you've got your Bible there, Romans 8. Let's begin reading at verse 12. Read down through verse 17, where he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. They just sang about it. We're children of God. I'm a child of the King. Verse 17, And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, 
that we may also be glorified together. Now, I want to show you how God enables us and helps us to be an overcomer in the areas that we struggle with, the areas of sin, fear, and suffering. Now, when I say overcomer, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that you'll be done with it once for all. As long as we live here in the flesh in our bodies, we're going to have to deal with these things. We're going to have to deal with sin and fear and suffering. But we can have victory. We can be an overcomer. From time to time, we'll fail. But we're going to have victory as we allow the Lord to enable us, to help us, to empower us to be overcomers in these areas. Notice, first of all, that God enables us to overcome sin. God enables us to overcome sin. You can notice in verse 12, he's speaking to believers. He says there, therefore, brethren. And he reminds them and he reminds us that we owe the flesh, our old sinful self. We don't owe it anything. Now, we are not in the flesh as believers. Uh, We're in the spirit. We've been born again. We're in Christ, spiritually speaking. But physically, we still have these bodies. These bodies have not been transformed yet. And we still struggle with many of the things we struggled with before we came to know Christ as our Lord and Savior because we're still in these bodies. In fact, there's a war going on inside of us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so we struggle here in our physical bodies. We're redeemed. We're child of the king. We're going to heaven. Our sins forgiven. But we struggle because our old man, our old nature is still there. We have the new nature. And so they wrestle against each other. And the Bible says here that living like the flesh wants us to live, it leads to death. It's what it says there in Romans chapter 8. If you live, verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now the question is, what does he mean when he says if you live according to the flesh, you will die? Is he referring to spiritual death? Well, certainly not. Because he's talking to believers. And if you're a believer, you've been delivered from spiritual death. You're alive forever in Christ. So is he talking about physical death? You live according to the flesh and do what the flesh wants you to do. Are you going to die physically? Well, possibly. Did you know it's possible to be a child of God and not be growing as we should? Uh, It's possible that sinful choices could lead to death. And we're supposed to be maturing, but we don't always mature the way we're supposed to. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive, and even now you are not still able. And so it's possible for a believer to not grow and to be immature and not be where they need to be and to make a sinful choice that could lead to death. In fact, Tom Constable said that sin produces death in many forms. Sometimes it's physical death. Sometimes it's social death. That is, uh, you're separated from another person. Sometimes it's a separation from the person and even their mental capacities. There's psychological issues and there's disorders and uh, those who may be engaged in illicit drugs and things. It can mess them up and they mentally struggle. And there are all sorts of ways that sin impacts us. And even as believers, sin can lead to death. 
Now, it could just be when he's talking to the Christians there, he says this because he wants to encourage people to make sure that they really are born again and just challenge them and say, you know, make sure that you're saved. Now, there are people who profess to be Christians that they're not Christians. It's just maybe that's why he's writing. But we know what he means here when he says this about the flesh of the spirit is we're not to honor the flesh. We're not to give in to the flesh. We're not to give in to the sinful patterns of the flesh. They're to be put to death, these sinful deeds of the body. Now, let me caution you here, though. I don't want to misunderstand. He's not teaching that we cannot enjoy legitimate, wholesome, good things and pleasures in our bodies. Um, this is not about abusing our bodies and you know, beating ourselves and whipping ourselves and crawling upstairs on our knees and doing all these works like that. No, 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 no. In fact, the Bible says we're to use our bodies to glorify God. The Bible says He's given us all things richly to enjoy. And many of the pleasures that we experience with our bodies, God has given us God-ordained means to fulfill those within His will and His pleasure. This is talking about sinful things. Sinful things. And what do we do with sinful things? We're to put them to death. The old Scottish theologian David Brown wrote, if you don't kill sin, sin will kill you. Sin is deadly. And he says here, we're to put to death, that's what it says there, verse 13 again, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do you put to death the deeds of the body? That is the sinful things. Well, notice we don't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. In fact, go back, it says in verse 13, for you live according to the flesh, you will die. But notice this, but if you by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, if you by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now that keeps us from one of two extremes. There are Christians who go to the extreme that they live, it's all up to me. And so I've got to live the Christian life in my own power. And so they get a set of rules and regulations. And they seek to keep those rules. And it's, it's, we refer to it as legalism. If I can do this and this and this and do everything perfect and do everything here, it's all up to me that I can do this and make myself spiritual. And they go to that extreme. Then there are those at the other extreme. And they say, well, it's all up to God. Here I am. And if God wants me holy... And he'll just have to make me holy. And it's all up to me. And they can go to where they go from not legalism, but license. And they live however they want to live. And really, it's, it's God's fault if they're not where they need to be. <laughs> well, let's stay away from this extreme. Let's stay away from this extreme. Let's come back to the Bible. And we have here in the Bible what I would call cooperation. And that is we are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to carry about these things in our life. You put to death by the Spirit the sinful deeds of the body. You see, we're enabled, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to mortify, to put to death the sinful deeds in our life. Uh, Colossians 3, 5. Let me read it to you in the NLT. It really makes it plain. He says, So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Uh, jot this reference down. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. 
Romans 6.11 says it this way, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon yourself to be dead. Why? Because when Christ died, you died. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so it's a cooperation. We yield to the Holy Spirit who helps us, empowers us to not do what the flesh wants us to do. It's not just sitting back saying, God, you do it all. It's not just saying, I'll do it all myself. We can't. It's saying, God, work in me. I'll obey you. I'll obey your word. You may your Holy Spirit guide me and work in my life. And it's important to notice this, too. When it says we're to put to death the deeds of the body in the Greek, that is in the present tense. I know that blesses you. I just really blessed you. What that means is this. It means you keep on putting to death. It's not a once and for all thing. You keep on doing it. And so in this battle, maybe even today you've been battling the flesh. Maybe you came to church and you've already battled greed or lust. Or you got out and you noticed that they got a nicer car than you do. Or you noticed how good that girl looked in the dress. Or you, you, you wished that you had as much money as that person did. Or, or you had an evil thought about that. Or whatever. You've already been battling the flesh. He says, I want you to put that to death. How? By the Spirit's power and enablement. As you yield yourself to God. And it's an ongoing battle. And it doesn't end. We deal with this as long as we're in the flesh. And there might be some areas we get victory in, and then we find out we've got some other areas we're struggling with. And so, in this battle, we've got to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And it's right and it's good that you pray to God for help in this. It is God's will for you to overcome sin. He says it right here in his word. We're not left on our own. Aren't you glad about that? God didn't save us and say, okay, make it on your own. No, he says, I'm going to put my spirit within you, the literal Holy Spirit of God within you to empower you and help you. I've given you my word and prayer in the church and brothers and sisters in Christ and all these blessings that you might overcome sin in your life. But he enables us to do it. But not only sin, because we all deal with that, but he also enables us to overcome fear. Look back in the passage, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, can I just remind you that fear is a big deal. Many people live in a constant state of fear, a constant state of fear. And if you are a child of God, can I just tell you this? Just hear me plain and clear. God does not want you to live in a constant state of fear. You jot this reference down. This is a verse you can memorize if you struggle with this. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And to overcome fear in our lives, we've got to remember something and understand some things. First of all, we've got to understand that we are sons of God. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of ladies. And automatically in your mind, you just said, wait a minute. I'm not a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And indeed, you are. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. But here, listen, Paul didn't make a mistake in what he wrote about you being a son of God. 
He's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he calls those of us who know Christ sons of God in verse 14 and children of God in verse 16. So please hear me, ladies. And this goes down really weird, but hear me out. As a child of God, you are a son of God, too. Say, preacher, you've lost your mind. Now, listen, don't get caught up in your biological gender today because the reason he calls you sons is because what he says later about you being an heir. We'll talk about it in a moment. It's important because at the time they wrote this, the males, the sons, were the ones who received the inheritance. And in verse 17, it says that if we're children of God, if we're sons of God, we are heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. And so for you to say, no, I'm not a son of God, you remove yourself from the, being an heir. It's the same thing that happens when men are called what? We're part of the bride of Christ. And so I'll tell you, as a man, for years, I really thought that was kind of weird. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're part of the bride of Christ. We're not talking about physical here. We're talking about spiritual things. And so just as even though we're men, we're part of the bride of Christ, as women, you are a son of God. That is, you're an heir of God. More on being an heir in a moment. Right now, I'm making the point that we need to know that we are sons of God if we're going to overcome fear in our lives. I didn't, I didn't remember that's what the choir was singing today, but boy, it, it thrilled me, it blessed me when they were singing up here, I am a child of God, I'm a child of the King. That's what they sang. And I was thinking about the child of the king. And if I'm a child of the king, and I am, think about all that comes with that. Why do I have to fear? I'm a child of the king. Why do I have to worry about what I need? I'm a child of the king. Why do I have to worry about anything? I'm a child of the king. And he's saying here, listen, you're sons of God. And you don't have to live in fear. Why? Because you're a son of God. You're a child of God. And knowing that and really believing that will help you to overcome fear in your life. Fear of the future. Ultimately, we're going to go of one of two places when we die, heaven or hell. And he brings about the assurance of salvation here. And God wants you to know that you truly are born again. And the Spirit of God works in our lives to say that. In verse 14, he says we're led by the Spirit. That is, He guides our lives. He directs our lives. In verse 15, we're placed into the family of God by the Spirit of God. And we've been adopted, and that adoption there is the idea of being placed as an adult son within the family. Placed as an adult son with all the rights and privileges and responsibilities that come with it. And then, verse 16, we're assured by the Spirit that it says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. What does that mean? Well, well, well simply put, it means we see the Spirit working in our life. That verse 16 has confused a lot of people. Where it says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And they get in their minds they should hear a little voice in their head or their heart. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. That's not what it means at all. It says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. Put plainly and simply, I could just say it this way. Seeing the Spirit working in our life bears witness and gives assurance that we are sons of God. We are children of God. When you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, that gives assurance that you are a child of God. When you seek to live a holy life, that gives assurance you are the child of God. When you choose not to sin and the Holy Spirit empowers you, that shows that you are. When you get a hatred for sin, when you long for Christ's return, it shows the Spirit's working in your life 
and He's making you more like Christ and it brings assurance. Now remember, we're talking about fear at this moment. And I love what He says there when He says that by the Spirit we cry out what? Abba, Father. To God. How do you say that in English? We would say it this way. The Abba there. We would, we would call God this in the English equivalent. Daddy. Or Papa. It's a term of endearment. A term of intimacy. A special term. You don't just call anybody Daddy or Papa. But He is our Daddy. He's our Papa. He is Abba. Father. It is near. It is dear. And if you have God as your daddy, why are you fearful? Why are you fearful? God enables us quickly to overcome our sin and our fear. But thirdly and quickly, he enables us to overcome our suffering. Verse 17, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed you suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. To be like Christ, we must suffer. To be like Christ, we've got to suffer, but that is not the end. God has a purpose in the pain. He's molding us. He's shaping us. He's making us like Jesus. If you've been missing Wednesday night Bible studies, we've been diving deep in this whole idea of suffering. You've missed out. Um, you, know, you can come this uh, Wednesday and jump in with us. But to overcome suffering, we've got to look beyond the here and now to the then and there. We've got to look beyond what's going on in our life at the present moment and realize what's coming. We're sons of God, we're children of God, and we're heirs of, of God. Heirs. And I don't know what your earthly inheritance is like. Maybe it's tremendous. Maybe you, I shouldn't say that. Maybe you can't wait for your people to die because you've got such a great inheritance coming. I hope not. I hope not. If you do, don't ever verbalize that. But there are others who say, you know, I don't even have an inheritance. Or there might be some who say, listen, I know what's coming. I don't even want it. But can I just tell you, as a child of God, you have an inheritance coming that you cannot even imagine waiting for you in glory. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. I don't know what your earthly inheritance is like, but I tell you what, we can't even fathom what we have coming to us in our spiritual inheritance. It's beyond description. We've gone from being slaves to being sons of God. We've gone from being paupers to being heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Jot this down. I want to read it to you. It goes right along with this passage. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now I say that as the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. But is under guardians and stewards of the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of, as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Christ. Galatians 4, 1-7. through Think about it. I don't know where you are physically. I don't know where you are financially today. But as a son of God, you are an heir. An heir of God. 
and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And glory awaits us we cannot even imagine. You see, God has not only redeemed us, He's enabled us through the power of His Holy Spirit to overcome in three really difficult areas of life. Sin, fear, and suffering. There's a wonderful song out on Christian radio right now. And it summarizes what many of us are feeling. But the song continues on from the feeling part to the facts. And can I just tell you, that's where we need to get in our Christian lives. We feel a lot of things. We've got to move beyond our feelings to the Bible. The song is a song by Matthew West. I, I think it's what a lot of us would say at times. Let me just share the words. It says, if I were you, he's talking to God. If I were you, I would have given up on me by now. I would have labeled me a lost cause because I feel just like a lost cause. Maybe that's you today. You're struggling with sin. And you're filled with fear and you're suffering. You're, you're still lost. He says, if I were you, I would have turned around and walked away. I would have labeled me beyond repair because I feel like I'm beyond repair. But somehow you don't see me like I do. Somehow you're still here. You're the God who stays. You're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. You're the God who stands with wide open arms. And you tell me nothing that I've ever done can separate my heart from the God who stays. He goes on to say, I used to hide every time I thought I let you down. I've been there, haven't you? You sin again. You do that thing, you sin. I won't do that anymore. And you do it. I used to hide every time I thought I let you down. I always thought I had to earn my way. But I'm learning you don't work that way. Somehow you don't see me like I do. Somehow you're still here. You're the God who stays. You're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. You're the God who stands with wide open arms. And you tell me nothing I've ever done can separate my heart from the God who stays. And he goes down through a whole list. He's moved from his feelings, how he feels, to fact. And he says, my shame can't separate. My guilt can't separate. My past can't separate. I'm yours forever. My sin can't separate. My scars can't separate. My failures can't separate. I'm yours forever. No enemy can separate. No power of hell can take away. Your love for me will never change. I'm yours forever. You're the God who stays. And if you're struggling with sin right now, your life, He's right there. And if your heart is filled with fear, He's right there. And if your life is filled with suffering and trouble, and you feel like, I, I just don't know how I can go on anymore, He's the God who stays. Wide open arms. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We'll see that later in our study here in Romans 8. He loves you that much. You're a child of the King. You're a son of God. You're an heir of God. You're, you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. And you have all, you've been adopted in this family. You have all the rights and all the privileges and all the responsibilities 
But you can cry out with Paul. Abba. Abba! Father. Daddy. Papa. I need you. I'm fearful. I'm sinful. I'm hurting. And he says, come child. Come to me. And find rest. And help. And forgiveness. And healing. Because I am your Abba. I am your Father. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You're the God who stays. Thank You on our worst day. We've sinned the most. We've failed the most. When our hearts are filled with fear and dread. When we're hurting like we've never hurt before. We have a Father who cares. Abba, Father. Father, I know I'm talking to some today who maybe never experienced that on a physical level. When they think of Father, there's hurt and there's scars and there's, there's regret. There's pain. I pray for healing in their life that they can see You as You are. Perfect Father who never fail, never fumble, never leave, never give up. Always hold them close. And I pray today for anybody listening to me who does not have the Father, that Your Holy Spirit work in their heart and bring them to faith in Christ today. Help them to see their need and to see Your glory and Your love. So Father, thank You for helping us. Thank You for empowering us. Thank You for loving us. We can't wait for our inheritance because we know that the great inheritance is you. We're an heir of God. And you are the one that we're seeking. And you are the only one who can satisfy. Thank you for truth. Help us to rise above our feelings to the fact of the Scripture and live there. That when all around us is crumbling and all within us is quaking, we have the sure, solid foundation that you are our Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn, thank you for your patience today. 156, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. If you don't know Jesus today, I'd love to introduce you to Him. Maybe today you need to come and cry out to your Father. You're hurting. You're struggling with sin or whatever it is. You come. The altar is open. But let's stand and sing 156. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. You come. Yes, God.